Hello, baby, hello. <laughs> How many episodes has it been since Joey Hill's been a guest on the podcast? Is it the alien episode? Is that the uh, last one? No, the prequel episode. Probably about as long as it has been for George. You might as well just like delete that first part. <laughs> no, I'm going to keep it. Cinema 7. Welcome back to Cinema 7. I'm your host, Mario B. And with me today, we have two two recurring guests, or two guests who have been here before, but you haven't heard from them in a while. And if you haven't heard from them, I'm going to introduce them. But with me today, uh, co-host Chris Hawk. I told you that I don't record with John anymore. And this is another fact that me and John just don't get along. It's just, we just can't record together anymore. And it's really sad. It really is sad. Just so sad. <laughs> yeah. And back is uh, Joey Hill. Sorry, I don't really record with John either. <laughs> Joey hasn't been on since, so and I think it was like episode three or episode four, we did uh, a series of like talking about our favorite sci-fi movies. Joey was on talking about Alien in the first part that we did. Uh, that's, that was Joey, one of Joey's favorite uh, sci-fi movies. And he was on talking about the Star Wars prequels with us. That was a very uh, interesting episode because George was actually on that episode. But for some reason, because of sound quality, <laughs> I had to take him out. But if you listen to it, you wouldn't even know that anybody else was ever there. <laughs> kind of how it is sometimes. Fuck you, Mario. <laughs> <laughs> and also back is George Beer Money. Oh, yeah. I got to say stuff. <laughs> <laughs> now, George has been on. We and him talked about Castlevania. You've been on talking about a bunch of other things before, too. And there, I think on our YouTube page, even though I don't ever really post anything on there, maybe only once or twice, George and I discussed something on there, too. I know we've done one on Infinity War. Yes, you were on that episode. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, that, that might be the one on YouTube. We've done a couple others. Yeah. But uh, we're all back, and today we're talking about... You guys going to have to help me pronounce this, because I cannot pronounce it. Oh, the, the name? Vaughn. Vulner, vulnerability? Yes, thank you. So just say it like Vuln. Vuln. Like Volva. Like vulnerability. Vulnerability. Act like, bring out your country. <laughs> I love that he I went like straight. Vulnerability. He went straight to Volva. Well, it's the only, it's, or you could say Volvo. You know. Yeah, totally. Evolve. I don't think you can get that close. Oh, okay. Vulnerability. <laughs> I mean, we all we all read comic books and stuff. Like, how many superheroes and crap do you read about that have, like, invulnerability to something? So that's kind of like that, you know, except this is the exact opposite. It's vulnerability. It's, it's like, I don't want to say it's weakness because we're, we're going to get into that about yeah. vulnerability not being weakness because it's really not. Um, but it's kind of like being vulnerable, you know, like like said, putting yourself out there. And we're, we're going to go over that a little bit. Yeah. I guess I get to play devil's advocate. <laughs> George's devil as adv- devil's, devil's advocate. <laughs> because, <laughs> because George, uh, you know, Chris Hawk said earlier, he has no feelings other than rage. All I know is anger. Yeah. I run on caffeine. George doesn't know how to open up. He's a straight it. white male. What you don't it? have to get that close. I'm getting this close. <laughs> so this was. George I'll get as close as I want. 
recently on the podcast, we've all been opening up more. I opened up uh, about the future of Cinema 7 and some of the stuff I was been going through. And, uh, you know, I've been talking to John and Chris Hawk about what they've been up to and why, you know, why we took our hiatus and what we, um, you know, why we weren't able to really do the podcast and some of the things they've been up to. And Chris Hawk opened up about his relationship, which is uh, very unique of Chris Hawk to do. So Joey Hill listened to those episodes and this was his idea. So we can, you know, uh, it's almost like um, therapeutic for all of us in a way to actually open up and be vulnerable and, and to, you know, discuss these things like compassion and, and fear and failure and all that. So I think I'm going to pass it over to Joey Hill uh, to talk about some of the things regarding this subject and what you've been uh looking into and all that jazz and and you can ask us questions and and of course we'll all chime in and stuff oh yeah definitely feel free to chime in um but i guess i guess where i'll start is kind of how all this came into my life um so because this is cinema seven and you guys mostly are about media and just like entertainment and things like that um part of this comes from me discovering a uh writer here um by the name of Brene brown and actually discovered her because she has a special on netflix um called Brene brown the call to courage it's what like 40 minutes or so it's an hour and 20 minutes okay it's longer than i thought (laughs) (laughs) um but it's it's a really good watch and it's very insightful and it kind of opens up some of these ideas that uh we're going to talk about today um, and she also has several books that she's written, um, one of which I read called The Gifts of Imperfection, and I'm in the middle of Daring Greatly right now. And they're all really great books because they explore this uh, concept of shame, which is her main thing. Um, Brene Brown is a shame researcher. She came into my life. I watched that Netflix special because I have been going to therapy for a couple years now, um, just because I have a lot of insecurities and a lot of uh, issues in my life that I'm not very pleased with, um, that stem from behaviors that relate to my childhood. Anyways, that's why I go to therapy to sort of overcome these things. And my therapist, you and I, you and I have talked about like some of the things we have in common and some of the things we've both been going through. Yeah. Which actually I think is something that probably all of us struggle with because Brene Brown will tell you that everyone struggles with shame in some way, shape or form. Even, even the stoic George who only feels rage. Probably has some shame within him. And and she talks about how uh, she talks about courage and compassion um, and how that relates to being vulnerable, because she will tell you in her special that uh, to be vulnerable is to be truly brave. It takes a lot of courage to put yourself out there like you did on your episode when you talked about the future of the podcast. And that's that's what I connected with was that willingness to be vulnerable and Mara, I just want to thank you for sharing that with us and being courageous in that episode. That was that was really, really brave of you. And I, I just was inspired. And that's why I wanted to come on today and talk about these things that have been sort of making their way into my life. Well, I, I've been friends with you guys for so long. You know, I feel like I can open up to you guys. And, um, you know, me going to therapy and being depressed, I've told you guys a lot of things, you know, especially when I've gotten to my darkest moments and I haven't and I, you know, didn't want to wake up and I, you know, things like that. And I've come to you guys and you guys, you know, talk me, you know, uh, give me advice and, and stuff like that. And so I trust you guys. And I mean, I've come to you guys before when I was in therapy to tell me about my pros and my cons and, and, and all that, because I, tr- you guys know me best. Yeah. And, um, 
do you mind if I share the con that I that go I, ahead, I go ahead out there? You, uh, the one that I said that you could use to improve on was that you're really hard on yourself sometimes. Like you're all, you're your own biggest critic, you know, Mario. And I said I that am. you need to be a little nicer to yourself. Yeah. Um, I think it was Brene Brown in her, uh, show on Netflix that literally said, we talk to ourselves way harsher than we would ever talk to anyone else. Like Chris yeah. Hawk, how many times have you just said something really negative to yourself in your own head that you would never say to Brittany? You know, like I can think of times where I've said, Joey, that was so stupid of you. You're yeah. such an idiot. <laughs> I would never tell that to my wife yeah, or my mother or my sister or anyone. Yeah. Like saying something about yourself. Yeah. Like yeah. Some, you talk, we talk to ourselves way harsher than we would ever talk to anyone else in our lives. Would, would you say Chris Hawk, your, your biggest critic? Have you doubted yourself or have you? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah? I am definitely. George, how about you? Have you, have you ever like, be honest. No, pretty much. If, if I'm comfortable saying something to myself, I yeah. will say it to other people. <laughs> That's understandable. Hey, and you I, know I, what? I, Part of this journey, like George might not struggle with this. And Brene Brown talks about her research with people that she considers to be wholehearted. Um, and some people don't struggle with that. Some people do like some, like I personally really struggle with my self-worth and one of my biggest like downfalls is my negative self-talk. And like, I will just talk myself to this spiral and work myself into this place of just absolute worthlessness. Yeah. And it, it that's, that's the, that's depression in and yeah. of itself. So the trick is, is to just be kinder to yourself sometimes. And Brene will talk about that, you know, and, uh, Sometimes being kinder to yourself means having the courage to be like, whoa, that is just some serious, seriously harsh negative talk because we can be really catalytic oh, yeah. when we talk to ourselves. Like, especially with like, when I say, oh, that was really stupid of you. Why did you say that? Yeah. And you know, sometimes the reasons why we do those behaviors that we say things or do things that we think are stupid is because we are basically covering for our own shame and things like that. So I would say that we all here consider you an artist. Because you're pretty good. I'm talking to Joe Hill. You're you're pretty good. Well, well now, <laughs> well now. <laughs> but um, do you ever draw something? Or because I do this a lot when I draw anything, when I doodle or whatever, I just instantly want to throw it away because I think it's shit. Oh gosh, man! <laughs> I uh, how many times have you done that? Oh man, it's it's very rare yeah. that I am absolutely 100% proud of anything that I produce, whether it be writing yeah. pieces of writing or whether it be. Because as an adult, I write a lot more than I draw. Yeah. I don't har- hardly ever draw anymore. But like when I paint or something like that, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I I usually I'm like just pit- nitpicking every little thing. Oh, I nitpick the crap out of yeah. everything I do, and, and so I I'm tear it up. And, and then you look said. at other people's work. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's one thing that Brene does cover in a lot of her stuff is comparing. Yeah. And it's kind of like it, it, it's it's a negative thing yeah. to compare. Like honestly, you should just never compare uh, yourself to someone else because you are your own person. Yeah. Um, and the work that you create is totally different than the work that somebody else has created, but it still can't help, but like draw a superhero or something that I created. And then I go and I read a Venom comic and I'm like, God, Venom looks so cool. Like (laughs) that is way cooler than anything I've ever done. So yeah, like I, I'll I'll have something in my head I want to draw and I try to jot it down and I'm like, I have the image in my head and if it doesn't come out that way, I instantly am like, I hate myself, you know, about it. Like I, I, I just can't get over that I, I feel like I'm better than I am but then when I do it I've noticed that I'm not as good as I want to yeah. be and Brene just says to just 
just be creative. Just just go yeah. ahead and do it for the sense of like, like giving into that imagination and letting it just be out there. And that's part of being vulnerable is putting your creative work out yeah. there and having the courage to do that and just like put it on like Instagram or something or even just share it with your family and say, look what I did. And, you know, then she talks about connection and there's positive and negative connection. Yeah. And the key to like a happy, wholehearted life is to nurture the positive connections you have. Yeah. If somebody's dragging you down and every time you show them a piece of your work or every time you just try to share anything with them, whether it just be a vulnerable moment and they pick it apart and they, it apart and yeah. they put you down, that person honestly is probably not worth your time. But the people that might maybe constructive criticism is good. Yeah. Um, she talks about boundaries and accountability mm-hmm. and things like that. And that comes into play. And those aren't bad things. But like somebody's just putting you down, that's not good. Um, so like if Mario, you come to me with some of your work and I say, Oh, you, you could have done this like right here, but yeah. it looks awesome, you know, like yeah. I'm really glad you shared this with me. Yeah. That that's a good positive connection. Mm-hmm. And and life is about connection. Human beings need uh, to feel connected, they need to feel uh, love and belonging. Like that, that's a key. That's yeah. what is it? Maslow's hierarchy of needs. That's mm-hmm. the second one, right after your physiological needs. Yeah. If anybody ever comes to me with anything that they've done, or whether it be art or or anything like that, I always have to find the positives that they've done, because you can't just sit there and just tell someone, you know, how sh- shitty something is or how bad it is or this is what you need to work on. Because if you just tell them that. I feel like they're going to take it a lot harder, especially people who you can who you can tell are coming to you being vulnerable about their work. Yeah. So if you, you know, sprinkle in the things that they did do that was very positive or they did do well, you know, you you they get more confident so they can redo that, I think, and then they get better at that as well and and feel better about Absolutely. Them and doing more importantly, like you now feel a connection with that person. Like you're like, wow, this thank you. Like I really appreciate uh your thoughts, you know. I'm yeah. glad you didn't shoot me down. Mm-hmm. You know, cuz yeah. there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff that in this world that just comes out, people put it out there and bam, it gets shot down. The internet is a pretty toxic place. It's and, pretty freaking terrible. Yeah. The inter- I mean, actually just the world in general. And that goes with re- rejection. Yeah. One of the uh concepts that Brene talks a lot about and like right in the beginning of Darren greatly. Um, is scarcity and we okay. live we live in a uh what, what was it what would that mean exactly so scarcity is just like the thought of never having enough or never being enough or okay never i can relate to that yeah or making enough or just you know that that's yeah. scarcity and we live in a world that pushes you to to always want more mm-hmm. whether that be for yourself for your family uh in your career yeah you know whether that just be for attention and that's one thing that stinks about today is there's a lot of that out there. A yeah. lot of people will just, they, they, they chalk your worth up to what you have. And yeah. then scarcity comes in and says, you still don't have enough. What sucks is we, we do it to ourselves too. We do. It's, yeah. It comes with our self-worth. Like, I mean, I thinking about my life, like I have, I have a vehicle, I have a home yeah. and I have a loving wife, a but job. like in a job, but like you still go to bed at night and you're like, man, I, I need to make more money. Yeah. I, otherwise I can't, I don't feel like I'm enough, you know, yeah. or I need to do this and this to make my wife love me more. Cause I don't think I'm enough for her or, you know, like I need to drive a bigger truck or something. <laughs> George, 
That, uh, it, I'm just gonna add a little side note here. They, humanity has been doing that to themselves since, like, the dawn of civilization, where, I mean, you look at the Viking period, they wore their wealth, quite literally. Yeah. To where they would go up to a, they had bracelets made out of silver. And was your status connected to that wealth? Yeah, oh yeah. If you were just a peasant dirt farmer, you And don't you think there's something wrong would with that? Wear, I mean, for back... I mean, back then, I suppose. But we're we're in the 21st century, man. Like, I think that we need to stop putting all that material things and all of these other, like... And I can agree, because, like, I have, like, with what I have, I make next to nothing. Right, and you're still... I have a car. Yes, it's paid off, but it's an old, beat-down piece of crap. Yeah, because the other day you were just telling me, like, you... You want a car to actually, you don't feel... Will fall apart if I go on a long road trip. Yeah, or if you, or just thing. going to work. <laughs> it's not a safety thing at this point. <laughs> <laughs> there is no such thing as safety in my truck. <laughs> I know. What if I drive it, George? You know how to drive stick? <laughs> no. Exactly. I mean, he can't make it any worse. <laughs> yes, he can. Because right now I have the transmission to a point where it works, uh. but barely. <laughs> Now, George will probably relate a lot to the Viking period and, and the way their culture ran because George himself is a Viking. Is a Viking. But <laughs> but you're Odin. What is it? It's Odin. Odinus. So And you do Viking reenactments. So you're very involved with that Viking culture and that time frame and, and their religion. So that's why George goes back to a lot of that. So uh, There's also a part where like I've, I've studied the history of... Um, the Viking Age and all that kind of stuff. I've been studying a lot of that, mostly for the uh, reenactment purposes, but um, I, I do read a lot into how their culture yeah. was portrayed. Even through the sagas, you got a glimpse of um, how they might have lived. And a lot of it you see throughout the years and today somebody who has less most of the time people see them as less yeah i feel like um in going back to the subject about you know us wanting more and 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 you know us not feeling us wanting more and that and that on that subject of scarcity like or or you know um as my ex would put it i have she believes that i have a inferiority complex and she said that to me and you know, that was more of like a, a hurtful thing because of the way I react and how much I, you know, want more and stuff. And we can debate that, you know, whatever. But I think, you know, like me and George could relate because we both feel stuck at where we're at. You know, it- kind of sorry. I mean, I'm pretty content with where I'm at. I, would I like to have my own place? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. But same time, it's like. And I'm sure Chris Hawk's there too right now where he's in his life, uh, you know, living with his wife's grandparents and, and living that tight budget trying to get a new house. Yes. Dude, Especially I know Especially your job because, <laughs> I mean, you don't know if they're going to be like, hey, we're going to send you somewhere. Right. I think a lot with this uh, whole scarcity con- concept, that's that's what it is, scarcity. Yeah. Did I say it wrong? No, no you said I, it right. Just- oh, Anyway, I'm I'm completely sober right now. You said now, it right, so, Mario. You know, so I'm yeah. going to fuck some shit up. <laughs> I think it also comes with like the stigma that outside sources put on people. 
It does. It definitely yeah. does. It, it That's our culture like, is, is yeah, making it, you feel like you don't have enough. Like you need the next best thing or you need to make more money in order to be you don't seen. Have in order now, to, so I don't want anything to do with you. Sorry. Right. Yeah. And, and like, oh, just, yeah. just think of that. Like you're just looking at a, you know, like you watch a show on TV where somebody is interested in dating. Right. And they're like, I don't want to deal with a man who doesn't have his own place or blah, blah, blah. You know, oh, yeah. like yeah, yeah. that's that, that adds to that culture of scarcity. And Mario, what you were saying about your relationship and uh, her kind of like, like putting you down in that way, yeah. that that stems from the like concept of like compassion and connection. You know, mm-hmm. you gotta if part of connecting with someone is showing some compassion. You know, yeah. like accepting their vulnerability, acknowledging it, and uh, you know, just just letting them know that it's okay to be human because that's that's what being vulnerable really is. It's just everybody. Is nobody's perfect, you know? Yeah. Nobody is perfect. We all have our own issues. We deal with shame and fear and all these things. And uh, when you put yourself out there, and when somebody just rejects it, you know that's yeah. that person's not worth your time. That's not, that's not a good connection. Well, I think her and I connected on a lot of things. I think there's a lot going on. The way I I pushed a lot onto her and the how selfish I was at certain times in the relationship when I didn't understand what she needed or what she or how she um, deals with her depression and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So you know, and I made it all about myself. So I, in times like those, I you know, I, and I came to you guys when I was jealous or something like that, and you in you know, when she wanted space, and you guys were just like, just give her space, man, you know, and I didn't listen because my insecurities and my anxieties got yeah. the better of me and I made I kind of in a way made those situations where she needed that space to deal with it herself yeah. I made it about me so I understand how I pushed her over the edge for her to believe those things and it is not right of her to you know magnify my flaws like that yeah in, no, a, in uh, a sense it's not really helping anything no. it doesn't yeah but it, who, who does it help throwing that at you you know it doesn't help yeah. either of you no. in that in that aspect of that it helps her on a psychological level. does it She's, she feels better about herself for putting mean, other people down that. Yeah, some people might but i, I don't think that's i don't think that's completely accurate that's on the outside looking in how i would see it what really it is mario is is when you get your when you start to go down like a shame spiral essentially yeah. like i know you struggle with your self-worth and you uh, connect some of the stuff in your relationship to your yeah. self-worth and you said maybe she's doing this because i'm not good enough exactly I, and those are things like when i was in that relationship or even you know now trying to be friends or us trying to talk about those certain things to get over it so we can be friends yeah. or or you know work our way towards something more maybe who knows i'm not going to try to put expectations on that mm-hmm. all i'm saying is you know us working on what we can do right now, and we we talked about those ter- type of things. Um, you're right. Like I tried to explain to her that everything that I've did was not to shame her, not to hurt her character. It wasn't about her because I my I admired her. Mm-hmm. I admire her. I look up to her. I uh, I think very greatly of her because I think she's smart. I think she's beautiful i think she's an amazing person because of the way she accepts the people especially in her own community you know and stuff like that but she doesn't understand that side of it i guess because she just feels hurt Mm -hmm. so she doesn't understand that those things that i'm questioning of like her talking to somebody else is not because i think she's a cheater or a whore 
it's because I, I just feel like I am, I don't have something to offer. Right. Because I, I feel like when, when I notice, when I notice certain things, like when she, so. All right, here's the thing. Yeah. You do have something to offer. You do. That's Don't you. you look at me like that, Chris. I'm trying to be serious here. <laughs> I am. <laughs> yeah, it's you. Have to offer. God damn it, George. I'm giving you those fuck me eyes. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but you do but, have but something like, to offer, Mara. You have yourself, and that is yeah. enough. It is. But you understand when I'm when you understand that by I saying do. that because I because. But the hardest about, part, and I know yeah. this, is for you to believe that you're enough. I guarantee, yeah. if you started to believe that you were enough, which is really hard to do. Like to say, like nobody can flip that switch and suddenly, boom, I am good enough. You know, like you have to, you have to really train yourself and, yeah. and, and practice that sort of uh, just worthiness yeah. as Brene Brown will put it in her books. You have to practice worthiness. It takes, it takes effort. But if you believed you were good enough, you would be because you are good enough. And that's, that's what Brene yeah. is telling you. That's, that's what I have to tell myself that every day. It's so hard. To stop the spiral, that anxiety spiral of I'm so dumb or like, what did I do? Why is this? This is all my fault. Yeah. You know, like you got to blame someone, right? The, yeah. the truth is, is you really don't. All blame is, is just displacing hate. Mm-hmm. And when you're blaming yourself, you're hating yourself. Yeah. And if you could just stop, if we stopped that, then you could really believe that you are worthy. I mean, you're what look at this podcast, is, man. Yeah. Like, this is awesome. This this is an awesome thing you've done. Like and it's just so courageous that you put yourself out there. Your opinions. I mean, how many people are afraid to put their opinions just on Facebook because everyone on their friends list is going to shoot them down or say that their opinions dumb or get in an argument with them. Yeah. You know, like it's pretty amazing that you've done this. Like just think about that or, you know, like all the stuff that you've created. Look at these stickers. It's awesome, dude. Um and you are good enough. You know, like we don't focus enough on the positive in this world. We really don't. You know, just watch the news for half an hour. It's yeah. pretty terrible. Yeah. It's pretty terrible. So you do have something to offer, Mario. You have you, and that is good enough. And that's that's what this is about. That's what being vulnerable is about, is is yeah. is putting yourself out there as yourself and saying, I'm good enough. Yeah. And then the world has to connect with you. And that's really hard to do in this world. Yeah. So you try, try to connect with people. I appreciate that. Yeah. But because, you know, and I talked to this with Ronnie um, more recently, you know, and look, mm-hmm. I, I got to understand that, you know, yes, I, I felt a certain way because I felt a certain way about myself. So when I saw something that, you know, like on social media during our relationship, I noticed she was liking things that seemed like she felt alone or single or things like that. And I was, I took that on myself yeah. and it's not that you, I you thought it, like, Oh, she did. I'm supposed to be the one that makes her not feel lonely. Yeah. And, but and, sometimes there's nothing you can do. Like that's, that's her own yeah. stuff. But and by doing, but by accusing or assuming, you know, said other things or whatever, I think I hurt her feelings. And then, so then probably it, you know, it just was a back and forth. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and I'll tell you being in, being married and in a committed relationship. How long have you been with Brittany? Ten years. Ten years, man. It takes two to tango. How, How long have you guys been married? Long Five years. Or we celebrated our fifth year on Friday. It takes two to tango. And that's something that I had to learn to do, Mario, in my relationship with my wife. Yeah. Um, 
especially early on. I had to get over those insecurities. And, and I, I don't think I ever truly did uh, until I started going to therapy. But wow. that aside, like what I'm getting at is that um, she is a person too who has her own yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know, struggles yeah, with sure. shame and yeah. loneliness and fear and, 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 and abandonment and things like that. Yeah. And sometimes I blaming myself and trying to think that I did some of that to, to her yeah. isn't always the case. Um, yeah. But it, so, it, but it takes two. The, the thing also, you have to do is you have to also, talk to her about it, yeah. engage her and just acknowledge her feelings, you know, like, but at the same time, it, it takes two. People get defensive, you know, yeah. like I, I'm certainly no exception, <laughs> you know, but yeah. uh, like, I'll give you an example. I come from a woman who absolutely cannot be held accountable for anything. Yeah. And Brene Brown touches on accountability in her books. We're getting into it. Yeah, yeah. here we go. She's yeah. getting into it. Aaron Rodgers defense. Look, I don't want to hear BS from you, boy. <laughs> Look, Chris Hawks. You're not allowed to touch him. Chris Hawks just mad. The Lambo leap. At least my team has a winning record act, this year. And it is not based around tradition. Lick my balls. Look, if Matt Ryan was built to steal like Aaron Rodgers was, he wouldn't be hurt all the damn time. Except, uh, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to. Rodgers doesn't demand a penalty be called every time somebody like brushes. He's holding the refs accountable. That's it. For what he's due. Okay. Look, look at these guys getting very vulnerable about football and their. There's nothing more vulnerable than talking about big sweaty men playing around a ball. Fairy, there you go. Look. (laughs) Hey man, the quarterbacks are the gayest of them all. There's one thing I get passionate about. Hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I, I, I mean. <laughs> I think we're going to take that you part know, out. Never <laughs> float your boat. Just don't let us sink mine. Yeah. That's, okay, that's, that's, there that's we go. Good. I mean, we can talk about compassion next. I, this can lead into compassion. Yeah. Well, compassion is just about um, basically showing compassion for somebody else's vulnerability is, yeah. is what that is. It's just it's just that when, when somebody else is vulnerable to you or when you're vulnerable with someone, that you should be compassionate and just, you know acknowledge their vulnerability you know sometimes all it takes is just like thanks for sharing that with me Mm -hmm. that's it you don't even have to give any criticism or anything Mm -hmm. that that's all you got to do and that that doesn't happen that happens way less than than you would think you know or or we talk about people that judge you you get judged when you put yourself out there you know now that's the opposite of compassion is judgment there's um as a person who is very hard on himself when I feel like people are being condescending, I take false judgment. And I think that's an issue I have to work yeah. on. Because I instantly can get defensive when I think someone's being condescending or sarcastic because yeah. I hate sarcasm. But do you think that, that, that perception of condescension has to do with your self-worth more so than perhaps Oh, exactly. That that's what I was getting at. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, I mean... This is all exploring the self, and that's kind of what Brene is about. And uh, yeah. I definitely encourage anybody that listens to this episode to go out and explore, um, you know, any of Brene's work. Uh, Netflix is probably the easiest venue, and there's tons of her videos on YouTube, her TED Talks, and things like that. Well, do uh, Chris, do you deal with any like fears or, or anxiety in the sense oh, of gosh. like? Um, <laughs> I Let's touch the parenting section. So I, I, we can, we can get. Um, we can talk about the parenting section a little bit later, but there, so I did recently graduate and I topped out of my apprenticeship program. And as an apprentice, you're kind of told what to do. Yeah. So you have, someone gives you direction and then you do it. As a, 
And that was very simple and easy. Yeah. That was such an easy thing to do. Now, as a journeyman, I'm given giving out directions. Okay. I'm, I, it's, it's the, you know, how you guys were talking about creativity. I now can set up runs or I can, I can do things now that I wasn't able to do as an apprentice. Okay. Like, cause talk to boss now, you know, I'm not the boss, (laughs) but it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of not, I wouldn't say power, but it's a lot of freedom now. And that, and, and I have, since I've graduated, responsibility. I, yeah, a lot of responsibility. I, you know, I'm I'm failing. I'm fi- I'm not. F- it's not failing, but I'm making plenty of mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I'm and it's it's very. It's a lot of mistakes. I'm gonna share yeah. something with you, Chris Hawk. You yeah. ready for this? No. It's it's it it's great. It has yeah. to do with like failing, and and it's it's right in the front of this book. I'm gonna read it verbatim, like straight. Is it from Teddy Roosevelt? Yes. All right, hold on, hold okay. on to that. Is that is that why it's called the, the book? The, yeah, that's why the book is named. I just that. watched it, so it's all fresh in my mind. Yeah, because she but puts I'm, up I'm, pictures of Teddy Roosevelt, and or she talks about that. Yeah. In, in so the, I'm making tons of mistakes. Like yeah. I'm, I'm forgetting things. Um, I'm not really truly planning out, you know, things correctly. But yeah. I mean, I'm doing it now, so that in the future, yeah. I'm not making those mistakes anymore. Now, when you make mistakes and you 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 hold yourself accountable, right? Mm-hmm. And so you're completely honest when you know you made a mistake. Oh yeah, and I have an apprentice that tells me that I'm messing up, so it's it's yeah. just as fun because he's. So, do you have to become a leader when you do? I that? am like, basically a leader right now. So the best way I've always thought about being a leader is is doing that, like being honest. Oh yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. And, you know, having accountability for your actions and actually and doing the same, like, there's a lot of leaders at where I work, they don't do shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, I, I've always, you know, looked at how my dad, his work ethic. Mm-hmm. So, I feel like if you want to be a good leader, you do the work with the people that you're leading. 100%. Yeah. yeah. See, you got to hold them accountable, too. I'm not in you a, just let them yeah. get away with anything. I'm not True. a foreman, so I usually foremen on our job don't do much work mm-hmm. but they're involved in the you know like the political planning yeah process there's you know a, there's foremans in 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 uh, mechanic shops and body shops there's there's foremans in, mm-hmm. in construction and all types of stuff so that's yeah that's pretty interesting that that's also a term you guys use uh and um so i'm like i'm just a journeyman and we we do most of the work the journeyman and apprentices do most of the work so i'm they tell me to do something and I have the freedom to build something how my vision, yeah. you know, they don't give you sometimes like we have schematics, we have blueprints, you know, dimensions where everything goes, but it's up to me how everything is run. Mm-hmm. And that is, that is a ton of freedom and it's a little daunting, intimidating. And sometimes I feel that I'm not ready yeah. For that type of, com- you know, and it's every day is a new is something new every day. Mm-hmm. So that's the fear, you know, the fear of not being good enough to do to run this job. Yeah. You know, so it, what is that? Yourself? I mean, I'm not doubting myself because because I know I can do it. You're just you're just afraid of. So are you afraid of failing? Not failing because I I don't care if it, I like I'll own up to it, like, yeah, you know, it wasn't yeah. my best work, but I did like this. Being a union journeyman electrician is all about craftsmanship. And I and I went through five years of that. And I think 
when I do my when I put it up there, I'll put my name on it so everyone knows that I did that. So you feel you're almost like a perfectionist in not, a sense. It kinda, but it, it's. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid of it not being correct. I'm afraid of doing it wrong, and then everyone saying, "Well, you know, I wouldn't have done that. Uh, it looks shitty." Like I am. I guess I am kind of afraid of what other people think because this is. I get. You, I see. This is saying. like the yeah. first time where I'm doing it. Like this is my idea, yeah. and the form is like. Mm. This is going with yeah. judgment. It's the judgment it could is. be a part of it, and yeah. that's that's kind of an important part because if it doesn't look right, technically. Got to do it all over again. Yeah. You know, it, technically, if I make a mistake, I could lo- make a company lose thousands of dollars. Yeah. You know, the things I deal with, the copper, giant uh, transformers, switch gears, these are very expensive moving parts. Yeah. Before, you, before you read that, I wanted to ask George something because yeah, George ahead. just uh-huh. uh, vented about work um, more recently to us because, you know, he got uh, written up at work or whatever and they told him to take some days oh, off. Jesus. Do you? Didn't you just? You just got upgraded too, right? You just like got a new position. Well, let me let me tell y'all the story before we uh, get into the questions about it. What okay. what was the? I was just gonna ask you now at work because I think that you're hard on yourself. <laughs> Do you take judgment well, or or do you like? Criticism, or I guess, do you know what I'm trying to ask him? It all yeah. really Criticism. depends on the tone of voice that is being used That's to give me this too. criticism. Okay. Because a lot of times, uh, like my shop foreman will uh, come up to me and ask what I've done, and I'll tell him, and he's like, oh, well, you should have done this, this, and this. And that's, it's a. Doesn't really help. No, it does because I know for the next time I have that particular job, that's how I should do it to get it done a little bit quicker. Or you take that in consideration. Yes, but there are some people who will come up and be like, why the fuck are you doing it like that, dumbass? Yeah. And that's when I just turn around and I'm like, fuck right off. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to do it how I fucking please. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I take no prisoners when I'm telling people off. But you You beg my pardon? Do you take do you, do you worry about other people's judgment of you? Nothing. Do you now? One thing I do know for certain, actually, Joey, list your thing. We'll, we'll get into like anxiety and stuff in a second. Oh no! It, um, since we're talking about like work, yeah. and, and I guess you could really you could really attribute this to whatever you want, um, because being afraid of failure or or anything like that, or, or or taking criticism, or even giving criticism, it's just it's it's all it's all part of this. Um, but what I'm going to read to you is uh, one of her books is called Daring Greatly, and the quote comes from uh, Teddy Roosevelt, um, and it goes like this. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly. I love it. Yeah, that's a pretty great um, quote. Yeah, we could still 
Oh, just go ahead. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I don't want my uh, mighty stream to be heard. Yeah. So we're, <laughs> we're still on the topic of work, and you know how we talk about the judgment of others. In in my business, your name is your ticket. You're only as good as your name. Okay. So so you could you could have a bad a bad name in like in my local, and people would. <laughs> People would not want to hire you. Yeah. So, so there is some pressure there to do your absolute best, and I don't think you're going to hear that massive stream from George. I don't. I just don't think you're going to hear it. No, no, no you're not going to pick that up on the mics. But that is powerful. I'll just pause when he flushes the toilet. We'll just pause. <laughs> but yeah, there is some pressure there. I wouldn't say fear, but there is pressure. I understand. Yeah. Um, I work in the med- medical field, so uh, in medicine, the you're only what you're only really worth what the letters after your name are, <laughs> which is tied to your education. And uh, one thing that I've had to struggle with over the past uh, year and a half or so is I've been in nursing school, mm-hmm. and holy crap, is it hard? Um, medicine is definitely not easy, uh, especially nursing and like patient care. But um, I failed pediatrics. Um, is that just, is that kid is that kids? Yeah, that's kids. And I failed my pediatrics course, and so I got dropped from my program. It's a pretty brutal program. Like the grading scale is literally A, B, F. So uh, if you don't get a if you get a C, which I got a C, you fail. They right. hold they hold you back. Are you doing it again? Um, I'm actually in this period, and this is why I've been dealing with a lot of depression myself in my own self worth, and it's one reason why I've really tried to connect with this image uh-huh. or this the, the message that Brene Brown has given um, is because. I, you know, like you failed and I'm stuck in this limbo where I have to get back into the program, but I have to wait for a slot. So it's been like five months I've been out of school waiting to get back in. And I just feel like I'm not good enough. Like I should have passed that course and all this other stuff. And I mean, it's probably a lot to do with the school, but like now I'm like, goodness gracious, like what if I can never achieve this? You know, like what if I can never be that nurse that I want to be, you know, because I want to be like this great nurse who cares for people and I don't know. Like I'm just in this spot now where I don't know if I can do it. And it's because they've been holding me out for five straight months. So, uh, it's, there's a lot of anxiety that comes with that. But what I'm learning now is that, you know, like I dare greatly and I'm not going to give up. I'm going to get back in there and I'm going to kick this course's butt. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be that nurse that I want to be. And that's, that's, a good, I believe it. That's, <laughs> that's a good thing to go Joey Hill. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good thing. You know, that you're, you're, Putting yourself out there and you're daring and you're not afraid of rejection or failure. Yeah. Because it's not about... But that's that's a hard place to get to. It is. It, because it, I, I battled... When I went to college, I failed... Ter- like, I failed in high school. I don't know. I might have failed more so, courses than you, bro. In, in what? <laughs> in uh, college. Well, that's because you've been there longer. See, the difference between you and... What? Oh, come on. Difference between, like, you, Joey, and... Me or Mario, I failed out of college. Uh, I went to a four-year college. It was uh, out in Ferrum University, and I failed out first semester. And I was like, you know what? Nah, never went back. Just quit. Um, I did take a couple of courses at TCC afterwards, but by the end of that semester, I was like, man, I'm just gonna join the army. Hey, there you go. That's that's what I ended up doing. Yeah. Now I relate to that in the sense of um, George. 
you know, just saying screw it because I failed throughout. I failed when I moved here from Pennsylvania. I was I came right into middle school and I was then I was really depressed. I mean, I, I throughout my whole life, I think because of the mental abuse and the the things that my parents were going through, you know, their divorce, both their divorces because they divorced twice. And, you know, I, I think I've mentioned that before and anybody who's listening and knows me knows, you know, and I've talked about it and been open about that both my parents are, they've divorced each other twice. And then my mom divorced again when she got, after she got remarried to a different person. But, you know, they, they were, is a lot of domestic abuse and mental abuse on each other. So I grew up with a lot of that. And I think that, I, I was always a shy kid and, and that that wasn't from them, but the anxieties and the depression of growing up, you know, in constant fear of uh I guess the the arguing and in the in the mental aspect of, of um you know, the things they went through and yeah. seeing that, you know Do you ever think that maybe looking back and, and, and listening to the discussion that we've had now. Yeah. Uh, do you ever think that maybe uh, a lot of their like abuse towards each other was more of like maybe their inability to connect, maybe defense mechanisms for fears and, and, and shame that they, and pain that they might be holding on to um, or accountability or things, anything like that. Do you think maybe that was, well, it, caused that? it can definitely go with the way, you know, the, the, their society was raised because I feel like, you know, the society before them, like my grandfather, like our grandparents, it's all about stoicism. Yeah. So even that they had mental issues, they never addressed them, really. That's right. Because you had to be to... stoic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think what trickled. Yeah. So I think, you know, the growing up with the American family and stuff like that, when our parents came around, you know, credit cards were coming out and it became like a big materialistic thing. So they valued things. Right. Mm-hmm. And you can't be. And you also part of that materialistic thing, like especially in like regards to like credit cards and things like that, like you tie your 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 fiscal wealth to yeah. your person like your self-worth exactly and that goes ties into the what you're talking about with uh scarcity and and, wa- and wanting to be worth more and what about the, and what happens when you're when you've like you're in debt or you just don't have that much money you kind of feel ashamed yeah. almost if, of of your own self-worth yeah. so i think that plays into my parents situations but also i think they've had mental things like my mom probably is bipolar has some kind of um uh maybe depression she deals with herself or or some kind of uh delusional oh yeah uh, things where she takes things you know to the extreme the wrong way on purpose in a way and i don't know if it's on purpose but she she's just delusional in the way she she takes certain things and makes herself the victim my dad i definitely has depression my dad um you know, has anxieties. And, and I think because of the way they saw their parents being raised and what they had to deal with and how they are supposed to deal with it, like you said, mm-hmm. and and what they masked those things with, with buying stuff, being materialistic, I think they just, they never wanted to learn, that generation never really learned to deal with those type of mental issues. Right. It, so, you weren't supposed to like put your emotions out there like that was a sign of weakness and remember i mentioned earlier uh when we started the podcast about vulnerability versus weakness yeah and not being the same thing it takes a lot of strength and courage to be vulnerable it's not a weakness but society associates those two things 
So being vulnerable or being afraid or being shamed or yeah, or even just, you know, like extending a hand to someone sometimes could be viewed as weakness, you know, or like saying, oh, crap or failure or or like saying, oh, poop, I just went and spent a whole crap ton of money on my credit card at Target because I got really impulsive. Mm -hmm. I can't tell anyone about this, you know, like. But yeah. what if? But wouldn't you feel a little better if you said, "Well, yeah, I uh, I went to Target and I just like kind of dropped like two hundred bucks <laughs> that I didn't wasn't supposed to." Yeah, you know, like just own it, and that that's part of what Brene Brown says: just own it. You know, that's part of being yeah. vulnerable is owning your story, owning your faults as well as your strengths. Yeah, you know, but society doesn't really want you to do that. You know, because owning the negative stuff is a sign of weakness. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a sign of imperfection. And I, I think Chris Hawk can relate to like you know, being young and, and seeing your parents go through like a, uh, kind of a abusive type of relationship or not being able to connect, like you said, cause I think those mental issues played into that of them not being able to connect and them not knowing how to deal with it yeah. and then not knowing how to deal with each other, you know, also played in that. And then 100%. so it created, you know, the anxieties, the insecurities, all that just, you know, went against each other. And it spirals. And, and sometimes it just takes yeah. you being young. I see those things yeah. and th- that, those things co- go with me. So I, you know, I just joked on Twitter because I saw someone say, you know, 22 years ago, my parents banged and then I came out or it was like a joke. And then I was like 30 years ago, my parents banged and I came out with all their mental disorders. <laughs> but Yeah. Uh, Brene does talk a lot about parenting. Um, I haven't gone down that road yet in my life. I'm yeah. actually terrified to go down that road. George, okay. George, did you want to say something first? Uh, well, the point I was going to make kind of the topic already kind of passed. Uh, I was just going to kind of give another nod back towards, um, quit pointing at the mic. <laughs> um, but it, it kind of, it still goes back to, uh, the dawn of civilization with the whole stoicism and everything where opening up was normally viewed as a sign of weakness and they would be ostracized because of it. They wouldn't. Yeah. Like, if uh, somebody, say it was time for the summer raids, and somebody was, one of the men comes up and is like, I don't think we should do this because this, this, and this. The the Yarrow would be like, oh, you want to share your feelings? Well, you're not going on the raids. You're not getting Mm -hmm. any wealth for your family. What if he just said, I'm afraid to die? Then he would be considered an outcast and just a... A frickin' pansy. And for <laughs> for some reason, I, I totally got off topic. I'm not trying to make anybody feel sorry for me, you know, at all, bringing up my, my, my family or, or my parents and, you know, what it's affected me because the original thing I was getting at was that I failed college or, or I failed middle school I when I came over here because I got depressed moving from PA and then because I, I, I just, I didn't want to do anything. I didn't care. I, I didn't care about anything. You know, I... I developed this almost rebellious attitude and you know and a lot of my fears and anxieties started then so well it started before that but you know that's when it amplified so then when I got to high school I also you know got more deep into myself in in a certain way that others haven't and I failed high school so going into college when I decided to go to college it took a lot of decision making to do that because I was afraid because I failed middle school and I failed it in col- in high school. So when I went to college, I, I um, it was a big decision for me. So like George, when I failed college and I failed classes, 
during my both semesters that I went, I instantly was like, I've dropped out. I said, fuck this because I, I feel like I couldn't do it. Um, like I did drawing. I took a drawing class and design class and I couldn't paint. I couldn't draw and I got really down on myself. And that's when we talked about earlier about, you know, me and you being artists or drawing, we are very hard on our work or we nitpick our work. Yeah. And I got really down on myself for that too. And that caused me not to even try to draw during drawing class where I would like, you know what? He lets us leave. I'm going to leave. And then when I come home, I'd get lazy because when I'm here, I just don't have the motivation to do work. Yeah. You go into, uh, and I tried to fix that, but it was too late because I would like, I'm going to go to the library and do all my work. And that's where, you know, I found like when I'm in class or when I go to the library, I'm like in a mindset where I can do it, you know? Well, here you have all the distractions. Oh, for yeah. sure, yeah. She, she does. Brene talk, in her talked books. about that a few episodes ago. Yeah, where we ha- we have that decision making problem because of ADD. Because ADD. Yeah, we well, yeah, definitely ADHD plays a role in that. Um, in in the the impulsiveness, like yeah. that, that's a classic symptom of ADHD. Um, but when I mean, you're here, yeah. you have all of your distractions. When I talk about your distractions, I bring them up because, like, so you just got you just came from art class, right, or drawing class, and you 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 were beating yourself up about your work. And now you feel down and, and you feel like your self-worth is down. You feel yeah. worthless uh, probably. And so you're like, all right, well, I'm going to play PlayStation to make myself feel better. So you're yeah. going to numb that emotion. Yeah. And and that numbing is sometimes it's good. Um, sometimes it's good to numb an emotion, especially when it's really extreme. But you have to revisit yeah. it. And to be perfectly honest, I numbed a lot of those emotions by hanging out with you guys. Yeah. I you escaped know. a lot of failing high school and a lot of uh, being miserable – yeah, you know, from a lot of things with you, like trying to escape through you guys. Well, the connecting with us, I think that that's a good thing. Yeah, um, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but oh no, like because like, playing PlayStation is not a bad thing. No, it's not. <laughs> okay, it's that's actually, a great thing. <laughs> Unless you rage at every game you play, but right. that, that's a whole. Yeah. I've gotten better at that. <laughs> I haven't broken a controller in like a year. <laughs> Sure, I just broke the controller the other day. I don't know how much time you have, Joey, but I mean, dude, I I can. So we can talk a little bit more about parents and stuff. Okay. But I wanted to ask Chris Hawk because you wanted to be a teacher. I did. And you shifted. Was there a, a, like, uh, so originally, so let's, let's, like, I did start at TCC and I did, I did all right. I think I did pretty good. Um, I never, I never studied. And that's probably one of the biggest mistakes, but I always got good grades because, I mean, the classes I wasn't, I was taking wasn't, nothing was truly hard. Um, I was going for a, I was going to be a history teacher. And when I found out I had to do four semesters of a, of a language. And since I didn't study, I, uh, I was never going to put any effort into it. So I decided to not become a history teacher because you need four semesters of a language for liberal arts degrees. So I decided to be a science teacher and yeah. go the social science route. And, and I was doing all right with that until um, my dad was paying for my, for my schooling. And so he stopped. And I forget why he stopped. But um, so I stopped going. Okay. And then um, so that, that was just the end of it. That was yeah. just... I didn't know I could actually, I, um, since I was living with him, I wasn't able to get financial aid because I was living with my dad. So I would have to go, I think. Now, did I don't, fear and anxieties or, or, you know, maybe I don't want to say laziness, but do, do you think 
that played into it or you just not caring played into so it? So I truly did care. I did still yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I I would I still want to teach. I'll probably end up teaching um at the trade school when I um I get a couple years underneath my belt or when they need teachers because they always need teachers, but I'd love to take a class taught by Chris Hogg. It'd, be, it, yeah. it'd probably be in conduit bending because I, I love conduit bending. He'd be like, Joey, stop drawing on your paper. Yeah, yeah stop, stop drawing. drawing. <laughs> uh, this is a hands-on lab. Joey, put your phone away. Put your phone away. <laughs> uh, no phones. No phones at all. So I think, I think it stems from the fact of choices. And I think the choice was my dad wasn't paying for my college anymore. So I was like, oh, well, I guess I'm not going to do that anymore because okay. I, I don't want to pay for but it. None of the, like none of the, like anxieties or fear or insecurities. I mean, there's always there's always anxieties of school and what everyone thinks about you. And but I, I mean, I I treated college like school, like high school, where I did my stuff, went home, did my homework, and then rinse, wash, repeat. I think sure there's some there's some regret there. Yeah, like I would have loved. To be a teacher, but I know that being Virginia actually has the worst pay grade pay scale for teachers, and I would not have been able to make a the living that I want. Yeah. So because I've I've lived a very stable life with my father when when it was just me and my mom and my brother before my stepfather, it was, you know, it was just like with you, we would move. It would we would move a lot. Yeah, because my mom was in the military. So. We would go to Navy housing, and Navy housing wasn't really, truly the best. How long was that for? So my parents divorced when I was eight, and we lived in Chesapeake, and then we moved to Connecticut, I think for a while. And then I moved back down here with my father when I was around 12, because I decided I wanted to. Yeah. And I think around 12, you can decide that. But during that time, that was when... I don't remember much, but I do remember it was just moving a lot. Moving a lot, yeah, yeah. Because we we had to move a lot when I was a kid. And George, your parents, what when did your parents get divorced? Um, that was actually while I was away at Ferrum. Yeah. Um, and it, they kind of blindsided me with it. So how how did that affect you? Because you were kind of an adult already by then. I feel it sort of played into why I ended up failing out of college. Okay. Because uh, it was around um, Chris Hogg. Don't get hurt around, today. It was around Chris Hogg? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was around the time of, it was like early November when I found out. Because I was going home and I didn't really put two and two together when my mother was like, you should, you, you should just stay there for this break and uh, we'll see you at Thanksgiving. And I was like, well, no, because I, I want to come home. I want to see everybody. Yeah. And that's when she dropped the bombshell on me of it, it was we she picked me up in Williamsburg, which is kind of the halfway point. And that's when she dropped the bomb on me as we were going through the uh, HRBT that she had sold her wedding ring to pay for the fuel to get there. And that she had left my dad. And I was like, well, what, what in God's name happened? Like. <laughs> Did they not bring up a lot? Did they not show a lot of issues around you guys, you and Casey? No, we thought. Uh, well, when I went to Ferrum, I honest to God thought it was a, it was just a normal family because yeah. I'd never seen them argue except maybe once or twice, and I thought everything was all hunky dory. But 
Apparently, I was wrong. So did um, that did that leave you depressed, kinda, or like did you feel like no? You, I wasn't. I don't get depressed very easily. Yeah. Um. It's it just I kind of rebelled. Yeah, I got you. Because like when I went back, I was like, you know what? I don't feel like going to algebra. Yeah, yeah. My roommate, my roommate, uh, my roommate just uh, scored me a case of beer. I'm I'm gonna I'm a sit in my dorm room and drink. And thus the name Beer Money started to be. No, that came after the military. <laughs> oh god, yeah, I know. That was that was. Yeah, uh, that's a whole. George, did you ever want your parents to get back together? Uh, I mean, here's here's the part with um the whole Odinism thing that Mario mentioned before. It's a I believe in a form of blind predestination. Uh-huh. Uh, I say blind predestination because yes, our lives are written. Uh, I'm not going to get into the mythology of it all, but our our lives are written out from the day we were born to the day we die. We have no idea what where we're going, what we're supposed to do, how we're supposed to do it. Mm-hmm. So I believe it. Okay, and I just. I have always felt this. Uh, well, it happened. It that must not have been yeah. supposed to have happened, or that experience was supposed to be a keystone in my mine and my uh, mom and dad's story, yeah. as it were. Yeah, um, I guess if we want to touch on like faith and stuff like that, Brene Brown does mention in her books about us as like just the human experience. You, you need faith. Um, where, wherever you find that is personal like that that's yeah. that's to each their own but you do need faith and may and, the force be with you yeah may the force be Jesus with you Christ. you know if and also with you <laughs> thank you old friend <laughs> hello there nerds I, no I, I'm kidding I love you guys you, you say it but uh <laughs> but that's that's where a lot of my stoicism comes from yeah where no, stuff like, stuff happens to me I'm just like oh well I guess that's what was supposed to you, happen but at that time frame, you weren't Odinist, so did you? I still had, and I've I've been Odinist a lot longer than y'all might realize. Okay, was, I'm sorry. I still actually believed in uh, the Norse mythology yeah. or Norse paganism, rather, while I was going through my confirmation for uh, Catholicism. Catholicism. I was in, like in the back of my mind. I was going through the steps, and I'm just like. Hail Odin. That, that was what was playing in the back of my head. And again, I think that's helped me through a lot of these trying times mm-hmm. that I've gone through. It's just so, it, that that was in my fate. I had it was supposed to happen. So I know like to Chris Hawk's question as a kid, you know, I was five years old when my you wanted, parents you wanted your parents to get back together. Oh yeah. As a kid 100%. you want your parents to get back to you. You want the fan you want every, mm-hmm. you want everything to be normal yeah. because as a kid, going back and forth is kind of it's also that's kind of like, um, how do, how do I phrase it? Yeah, it's all about being safe and yeah, stable. I guess secure. it's yeah, it's yeah. it's awkward. It's it's uh, difficult. You know, even as a kid, you're, you're emotionally like being pulled in different ways, and especially with my parents. You know, yes. and me and Chris Hawk have talked about this. They try to pull you in either direction to get you on their side. It's it's um it's very it's very weird. Because you're just going to listen to the last person who you listen to. Yeah. Like if, you know, 
Like your mom will say something offhanded, like your father doesn't love you like I love you, and your dad's not there to defend oh, yeah. himself. Wow. Oh yeah. So it's it's that plays into rough. that it's plays very in, rough. that plays into the mental abuse that my family also put me through, yeah. and my so, brother. I I never my 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 parents are still together. They've always been together. But like I do have a mother who definitely believes in sides. Um, and mm. and while she and actually she did tell me that uh, growing up it was like her and me against my like my dad on several occasions which i actually now looking back on that i, I kind of think that's kind of messed up yeah. you know because you you revere both your parents mm-hmm. yeah you they're know partners they're, yeah you're, like i'm sure you and kate you know you see you guys as me and chris Hawk talked about that on the one episode you see each other as partners you you, yeah. you are equal your team you yeah, and kate are a team yeah it takes two man um what's what's funny is that um, my relationship with my mother has declined in, in recent years since I've gotten married and, and dedicated my life to being partners with it, with a woman that, you know, isn't super like my mom has literally mentioned to others in my family that there are, there's her side and then my wife's side. <laughs> and my mom is where well, she has been constantly trying to get me onto her side. And yeah. she's, I don't think she's accepted yet that I will never be on her side in that battle, but she does create sides. Yeah. You know, so and and honestly, I think that's kind of a that's not the best route to go. Yeah. Um, especially when you're a parent and you try to pit them against the other parents, exactly. you know, and and back to the, you know, wanting your parents to get back together. I was fortunate to have my parents get back together. But, you know, after a few years, they divorced again. Mm. So, you know, I had to redeal with all that. And then but the way they divorced was my mom packed all our clothes and was like, uh, wake up! We're we're going to Virginia. So mm. one, you know, one night or in the morning, it was in the morning when my dad went to work. You know, we we had our clothes and whatever we could bring, and we just went to Virginia. We just wow. came here. It's kind of kidnapping, in a way, yeah. In a way, yeah. Um, and you know, she she and she used an, a lot of uh, of the issues that she has, I think against my dad and, and, um, getting people to turn on my dad and people to, uh, you know, and, and don't, I'm not saying my dad is an innocent man because he also has done things wrongfully in that relationship and things, uh, after that too. And like, like Chris Hawk said, you know, they both will try to pit you against one another yeah. or against them. But, um, like you, I, since that happened, my relationship with my mother has always been not the easiest. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for a while I was mostly on my dad's side because I only saw the side of my mom taking us away, you know, yeah. and my mom getting remarried. And, and I didn't see, you know, the, the negatives of my father. But then it came to a point where when I became an adult, I was like, they're both fucked up. You know what I mean? Like, they're <laughs> well, so, so this, that's the kind of thing. Like, they're just they're human. I wouldn't say that they're fucked up. No, I mean you're right. They're both human. But as an 18 year old, they're really human. Yeah. But they're just they're not fucked. Up. I think the crazy thing is is looking at your parents and realizing they're not perfect. Exactly. Yes. Is the when the facade goes away when you see them as yeah. like regular human beings and you don't see them on the pedestal that they were and you realize that. They're still trying to figure out life just like you are. Yeah. Like, I thought 
my my parents had it all figured out. Oh gosh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I they remember s- a young Chris No Hawk. one does. I when you came a young Chris Hawk, his dad could never be wrong. But you came never to be wrong. realization as I did. Right. Where you're just like, they're both they both have their issues. Super Yeah. Like, you know Why would I want to play sides or, or but then that also played into the, the factor of me kind of neglecting both of them in a way. You know, to a point where I was done being sad to leave my dad to come here. I was done being sad for my mother and putting up with her stuff. But does it still mentally affect me? It does because my mom still does stupid shit. <laughs> and how how do you how would you say that your relationship with them is is now? Well, I'm closer to my dad because I can actually have a conversation with my dad. Because you can dad, connect with your dad. My dad's more compassionate. I'm kind of mm-hmm. there with you, man. My dad more under my dad understands more. Yeah. But my dad also. There isn't a lot that my dad understands because he doesn't deal with him a lot of things that he's goes through. So and he like we were talking about earlier with their them trying to be stoic. Yeah. My dad tries to be stoic and doesn't want to. But my dad never pushed, you know, me to be manly or, you know, you got to be a man. You know, he, he was he taught us to be vulnerable because I would see him cry. Yeah. And he would always say, you know, a That's real really man awesome. cries and yeah. he would say stuff like that. But. He also tries hard not to deal with it because he wants to give a good impression on the other people that he is this tough person. Yeah. You know, so yeah. he battles a, with that. There's a person we try to present to the world and there's a person that yeah. you present to yourself, you know, sometimes. But it's not that I, I in a way, yes, I, I um, because of that, it wants me to get away from everybody mm-hmm. because my grandparents also don't understand emotions and they don't connect emotionally with each other so that's the hill house yeah so i i basically left that and came right back into it when i moved in with my grandparents that was that was me growing up as a hill house nobody nobody talks about anything so Um, like i mean obviously your mom and dad had to have their own issues they did yeah Yeah, and as an adult i'm I'm seeing it now yeah um and then we talk about or Brene talks about uh like boundaries and things like that and and there's a lot of boundaries that you have to set up as, as a parent you know like you don't I, I'm not a parent, yeah. but from what I've read, as a parent, you don't you don't want all of your like uh, struggles and things like whether they be financial or emotional, yeah. you don't want them to hit your kids. Uh-huh. Yeah. Sometimes they do because you're you're a human, yeah. but you know you you try to that, shield them yeah. from that. And I can see that more so on my dad's side, where my mom is just like my mom can be selfish and not think things through about me emotionally or what she's gone through. You right. know, she's like, Oh, open up a, a loan. Oh yeah. That worked for you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, um, you know, you, you know, I'm getting <laughs> like, wow, that was some hardcore judgment coming out <laughs> from her saying that to you. Is that what she said to you? No, that's what I'm saying oh, because that didn't work for her. She's in oh. debt. She's, she's, uh, she can barely contact certain people or go, get her taxes done certain ways or, or she can barely go to certain banks. My Both my parents had to take out of certain banks and go to different banks because they've uh, owed too much money and they try to they try to run from that instead of deal with it. Yeah. So, you know, I don't want to be in the same position. So I'm learning, I'm learning looking at it. I'm yeah. learning by looking at it, you yeah. know, and, and she's like, you know, she would say things to try to get me to Duh. make the same mistake. She still does it. One so. of the hardest things to do, because um, I've recently realized in my life that my mother is actually a... Uh, functioning alcoholic. My mom is is one person who cannot have one drink. She has one drink, and that drink turns into an entire night of binge drinking. Um, and she doesn't. It's not like she's not like a typical alcoholic that drinks every day. Yeah. Um, but when she, it's just that when she starts drinking, she does indeed. She'll go on an all weekend binge. Yeah. Um, of straight drinking. Um, 
And so what I'm yeah. what I'm getting at is that uh, you know, like that that doesn't necessarily make her a yeah. terrible person, you know? Not, and and it's hard yeah. to watch her do that to herself. It's hard to watch her oh, yeah, for sure. uh, give in to her own shame and her own insecurities and things like that and go down that spiral. And that's kind of where your mom is at a little bit. Oh, yeah. Um, she probably has her own issues that she deals with. And probably some of her self-worth is connected to her debt and her money. Yeah. And so she just goes into that spiral and makes these mistakes. And it's really hard to watch as a child, uh, especially now that you're older and, and oh, you're seeing is. these yeah. things. You know? But well, it doesn't necessarily make her... Terrible. Well, I'm not know. saying that she is terrible. You yeah. know, I, I'm, I'm, I understand that she has her own issues. My dad has has his own issues, and you know, I, all of our parents have their own issues that they got to deal oh, yeah. with. But it's the it's the fact that they don't want to see them, and I think that plays right. into them trying to be stoic, like you said. And you, as the child, you want to step in and say, you want to shake your parent and be like, "What? Oh, what yeah. the heck are you doing? Like, like, why can't you see what I see?" Like my, my, my ex-girlfriend who we talked about earlier and, and I, you know, I, I don't mean any disrespect to her because I still, I still love her and I still care about her. And you guys know that. And, you know, she dealt with her parents getting divorced more recently and she's an adult, but that also affected her because she looks up to both her parents in a certain way. And, and I think, you know, I don't know cause I can't, I'm not in her head, but personally I feel like she admires, you know, their relationship and being an interracial couple and you know some of the things they've had to deal with and how smart they are and and you know but she also sees their you know how they don't click and stuff like that but like george you know even he was 18 at the time or 19 or whatever i feel like you're still doing uh, i was 18 when it happened i feel like you're still developing a lot exactly you're that can still well, be yes. hard on you that is you know? true and it like the way they brought it on me like that it was just out of the yeah mood. and same with ronnie like they brought it on her in a in a just you know hey <laughs> yeah it's like i i had hadn't spent i don't know maybe an hour yeah. in the car with my mom she's like oh by the way uh, oh <laughs> oh hi mom that's <laughs> good to see you too i missed you yeah yeah but, but i i don't think it affected me as long or as like heavily as a lot of people who go through that have i think i got i was very lucky not not that it happened but yeah. that in the way that it happened i think i got pretty lucky because it was a smooth transition my both of my parents were still on good terms uh they were yeah they're still on good terms to this day but yeah. at the same time towards the beginning there was a lot of animosity yeah from my mother because uh, I had taken up smoking when I got to college. Yeah. And you dummy. My mom. Because <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I love you. My mom. <laughs> when... We're holding you accountable, George, for your smoking. Okay, here's the thing. I'm well aware that it's going to kill me one day. I don't care. But my mom caught wind that I was that I was smoking. Like she actually smelled it on me. Mm-hmm. And she didn't ask questions, no questions asked, no, no, like, ultimatum, no warning. She was just like, get out of my house. Oh, okay. I went and lived with my dad. There you go. And I've been living with my dad, well, whenever I was, I've been yeah. home 
ever since. And I think yeah. with me and my dad have a closer connection than I do with like my mother. Understandable. Yeah. And we talked about early, that earlier when you were talking about you and your brother with your opinions and stuff. <sighs> that's, that's that's a whole nother episode. Yeah, yeah siblings. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I could just, do a whole just episode real quick, on just that. Before I end the episode, just real Same. quick to go back to the boundaries thing. I think we all deal with that with our parents. Yes. And I think that's a generational thing, maybe in a yeah. sense, that we have to we have to explain boundaries and set boundaries with them. You do. And it's hard, especially with like I'd say, you know, me and you, our mothers the way they are, oh, I feel like it's right completely now. difficult. My, my mother has. I've always. I, I realize this now that I've always lived in a, in, a, in a household with enmeshed boundaries, mm-hmm. um, and my mom now that she's dealing with her health as an adult, um, she would absolutely love for me to step in and suddenly take on a parental role in relation to her health and taking care of her. Like she's really putting a lot of strain on my father these days because um, she just refuses to take care of herself. Um, and so he basically has to do it all for her. And she also is, she like cries out for attention to get me to take care of her as well. But that's like, I feel like that's like overstepping some parental boundaries. She would love for me to step in and suddenly be the parent to her, which I'm the child. Like I I shouldn't have to do that. I I have my own life. I've grown up. I've moved out of the house. Exactly. I don't need to come back and take care of my mother. Like I definitely, you definitely should take care of your parents when they get to a point where they, their health is declining and they, they really need that help. But my mother doesn't need that. She's not at that point, but yeah. she wants that kind of attention. So my parents just try to be overprotective and they don't, they try to, mm. my dad isn't as bad, but my mom, you know, she definitely, uh, and even my grandparents, they, you know, they, they're very like, uh, judgmental in the sense that they think something should be a certain way yeah. and they want to help. But it's too much sometimes to the sense where it's like, I got to make my own choices. I got to learn this my way. I got to do it. I, I'm on my own. You got to let me be on my own. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it, it's hard to have those conversations sometimes. Hard. Yes. Yeah, my, my mother does the whole be vulnerable to do overprotection <laughs> and over. My mom is very overbearing even now. Yeah. And I have to like seriously like just look at her and be like, mom, I am 30 years old. Yeah. Exactly. I got this. Yeah. Chris Hawk's lucky over here, though. I, I, I'm not gonna lie to you. I wouldn't say I, I am. No, I don't have the relationship with my father that you guys do, and that's because when I came down here, he he started working two jobs to support us. Yeah, so I hardly got, ever got to see him. I'm not gonna say it's a bad relationship, but yeah. I I wouldn't say it's as close or as open. You know, we're we're not talking about each other's feelings or being compassionate with each other. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I understand. I mean, we do have very similar interests. Um, yeah. But I'd, I like, you know, Joey talks about how he would paint, you know, go into his dad's garage and paint with him. Yeah. Yeah. I just you never did anything like that. Yeah. But you guys had your own connection. Yeah, with we, de- we def- definitely had our own. We definitely have our own connection. Yeah. But it's nothing as close as because, you know, the the way he was raised and the way yeah. I was raised is completely different because my stepmother yeah. raised me from a very vital time of from 12 to, you know, yeah. 18 and that's a very that's a very influential yeah. time those are yeah. your rebel years yeah. you know and i don't want to i don't want to linger on it too much because we we talked about parents more than anything probably but yeah. you know my my mom is overbearing and my dad wants to be he wants to take care of somebody and he wants to be there for somebody so i get both of that so that also affected my relationship as i'm like you know 
which played into my selfishness in a way where I'm like, I want to help you. I want to do this. I want to, you know, I want to, I want to, uh, constantly be there for you. I want to care about you. Why don't you see that? You know, and, and that, that played into my selfishness and I just wanted to get that out of there because I felt like I had to open up about that and, yeah. and call myself out on well, my thanks. overbearingness and me being, uh, you know, in a sense of not under me, you, know, you uh, what are, is it? Who does which uh, insurance company does the commercials where you become your parents? Progressive, progressive. I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure it's yes. Geico. Is it Geico? Uh, <laughs> I know, they're very funny. I, I, yeah, like, that's one thing that I, I I never want to be compared to my parents, and I think we all battle that. Yeah. But we have to accept that sometimes we have a lot of the things that our parents have. Maybe there are some things that you are proud of that. Uh, your parents, uh, or like about your parents and their behaviors oh, and, and their like things. helping helping like? others for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I my, that I get from my dad. I completely love that I that I want to help yeah. others and I'm completely selfless in a lot of aspects. And you know, me and Chris Hawk have mentioned it on the one podcast, but that's one thing you guys all told me was a pro or a con of me is yeah. that I I spread myself too wide on like with everybody and I get discouraged because I because I um. I'm too selfless sometimes, or I want to yeah. be there for everybody else. Yeah. So, but do I admire that about myself? I do because there's not a lot of people that do that, I yeah. guess, or, or, or yeah. like that. Um, but to, 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 I guess end the podcast, you know, it, it this is only going to make us closer that we all sat here and opened up and your listeners. Yeah, exactly. They're going to understand us more. Yeah. We're going to get close with them. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to get vulnerable with them. Like we did. Yeah. Um, and I guess, uh, my last tidbit before we close out the podcast is I just want to like say that uh, moving forward and, and just in, in general, anybody that listens to this, any of you guys, um, I guess the lesson is to just not be afraid of vulnerability. Like don't see it as a weakness, you know, yeah. like, like be honest about your feelings and your intentions and, and own your, own your shame, own the negative, own the positive, own it all yeah. and, and be vulnerable about that. And, and that's one way to, get to this thing that Brene talks about, this wholehearted living, you know? And even with your children, like, teach them that. Teach them it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to be afraid. It's okay to fail. And it's yeah. okay to do all those things. Because I think sometimes that's what we just need. You just need somebody to say that it's it's okay, you know? I think one thing before we go, I'm going to ask you a pro and a con about yourself. All right, let's go. Chris Hawk, go. Pro? Uh, how about, okay, say a con and then say a pro. Because I want you to say the come best back, come back to the me best thing about yourself last. Joey Hill. All right, say a I'll, con uh, and then say a pro. I'll get, I'll get pretty vulnerable here on my con. And that is that I sometimes hustle for attention. Like I, I try to portray this fake image like of, of like this perfect person. It's not really there, you know? And I'm really not proud of that. Did you listen to the part? of our last podcast where uh, me and Mario decided to start a movie. Yes. Did you like mine for you? Yeah. I want to write a little bit though. Like I love writing. Let me write some. I'll work with Nick. You could do some schmooze in that. George, you got to listen to the podcast. Yeah, you got to listen to that episode. You're doing sound effects and lighting. I'm doing sound effects and lighting. It's going to be a lot of parts and belts. We said set protection because of uh, your, you know, your work with your models. And then also, uh, security, and then uh, <laughs> the wait, hold on. What was that first one? You the muscle set, uh, set production. Yeah, okay. actually making the sets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. And uh, sound effects with Tyler Hall. What's a pro? <laughs> oh, pro. Um, oh, God. I think I definitely exhibit the capacity for compassion and connection, and I, I really think that that's probably one of my greatest strengths is my ability to connect with people. I, I think you, because we all grew up together. 
So I, I've seen you grow on the sense of you understanding people and you've always understood people and you've always even put me in my place about trying to understand other people. It's like two sides of the same coin there. Yeah, like so- I hate when I present a fake version of myself, but I like that I can connect with people, yeah. you know? Um, and I think what I'm trying to do now in life is I'm trying to make genuine connections. Yeah. True connections that are, that's with the true Joey Hill that I want, that I am learning to be okay with, yeah. you know, and I, I'm not trying to be this image of myself. I'm just being me and I'm trying to connect that with people. Yeah. Hey, I love you. I love you too, man. <laughs> and- like I said, you you've definitely have called me out on judge, judging people or trying to understand people. You better believe I'm going to do it again. <laughs> hey, and I think you've I think you've grown into a more understanding and a more um, trying to understand people better, and you look deeper and you process you, your thought process is a lot larger than definitely mine because I react on on like yeah. initial things alone, and I think I need to grow on understanding yeah. and thought process more. Yeah, but that journey. So I admire you for that. Thank you, man. George, con and a pro. Well, a con is uh, definitely my anger. Um, What? 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 I thought it was a strength, man. Uh, No, it gives me strength, but it's not a good thing. Physical strength. No, uh, it's because I have a a very high level of social anxiety. I'm surrounded by people I don't know or... What are you talking about? I can... He doesn't People know us. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know any of y'all. Who are you? Get out of my face. This is my house. <laughs> I gotta but, leave. Um, <laughs> but I... It's even like the, the smallest of things. Like just today, we were at the game store and there was this kid who had mental issues, yeah, obviously. He probably uh, had Asperger's or something like that. Something maybe. like I, that. Well, and I don't he know. He was just Autism, like making noise in the store and I just like, in the back of my head, I'm just like... Picturing myself screaming at this kid to shut the fuck up. George doesn't do a well. I've noticed in crowds or in. I don't do with well with crowds or like a lot of noise. No, I, I'm I'm definitely a bit of a recluse in that department. I, if I'm going out somewhere, I'd rather it be like a more open area where I have plenty of room to just kind of like stand off to the side or. Talk to whoever I need to or want to talk to. And a lot of that social anxiety comes out in the form of anger. Yeah. What would you say is a pro? A pro, I would say, is uh, my stoicism, I guess. Okay. When I'm not, like, completely infuriated, I feel like people can come to me. Mm Mm-hmm. I would say... Like they could be in full panic mode and I would just, and with my, the way I just see things and the way that I respond to everything. You are very good at calming someone down because I think you, you are a lot smarter than you you portray yourself to be. And we've talked about this before. I was about to say it. Not then I know, because I know I'm smart. I just don't want to show it. (laughs) Here's what I think it is, man. I think that you're just, you're not afraid to hold people accountable. Because you do me no. all the time. You call me out for stuff all the time. Yeah. Don't I? Literally. Don't, don't like, I, though. <laughs> when I got real depressed and I was bailing on you a lot of time when you wanted to hang out, you called me out. On... I put my fucking foot down. Yeah. I'm like, look, dude, if you don't want to hang out, just fucking say you don't want to hang out. Exactly. I think me and George talked about Me and George talked about this 
Many times. Many times. Oh, gosh. George and I... I will, I will be the first one to call somebody on their bullshit. George and I, for a long time, have run, like, roleplay servers on Discord. And, like, <laughs> so we're both usually in power positions. And then anytime I do anything remotely sketchy, George calls me I'm out like, instantaneously. I forget what happened. And I'm it like, was well, something sh- with one of the other mods. You were... You made a call and it was just like the wrong call. And I'm like, bro, like George, this truly, dude is useless. Yeah. Kick him out. George truly does not care if you can't hang out. He just doesn't like bullshitting about it. <laughs> yeah, like, th- that's my whole thing. It, just be honest with me and we'll be cool. Yeah. And just like don't present a fake version of you, Joey. I know, man. <laughs> no, Joe, I don't think Joey, ever, ever since I met him, I don't think he's ever really like presented a fake image to me. Uh, you're one of the few people that I always felt like I could truly be myself around. You know? I, so. I think that has a lot to do with the uh, whole stoicism thing. Oh, yeah. And, it, and also, you also always called me out. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think a con for me is a lot of the things that you guys have said where I, um, I need to try to see my positives more and i need to i need to see situations yeah i need to i need to be easier just say next time next time you're like beating yourself up just say you know what it's okay just say that i think a pro is my development of emotional awareness i i've actually always admired your courage um you may not think you're courageous but you're always willing to talk about your feelings and put them out there like I, I, like I said before, I come from a house where we never talked about feelings, ever. Like yeah. it was always just you just smile and move on. We pretend like it never happened, um, and that's I don't think that's healthy. And I think what you do, putting it out there, talking about it, connecting with people, that's really healthy. And I, I, I absolutely have always admired that courage in you, because it takes courage to do that. That's I appreciate that, and and I think that kind of saved me when I got really depressed. Was um, you know being able to open up about when I was, um, you know, really in a dark place. Yeah. And especially you guys helped me get out of that. When you're in that dark place, that's what you kind of have to do. You have to reach out and talk to people because otherwise that loneliness, that will consume you. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a fight. It is. Oh dude. If I, I'd be lying if I told you that shit was easy. Okay, Chris Hawk, pro and a con. Don't make me cry, okay? Yeah, I'm not going to make you cry. You I'm trying to I'll understand. cry. I'll cry. I don't care. So let's do cons. I think we've been doing cons first, and mm-hmm. it's something that me and my wife have actually both been struggling with because we're both very stubborn, very, very stubborn people. And um, But at the same time, we've been getting around it, but we're both quick to anger, and we're both pretty stubborn. So my anger is... I think my anger has always been an issue. And... Um, I don't have a fuse. It's always almost nearly lit. You know how the Hulk is nearly always mad. I. Uh, you can be very defensive too. Uh, you you have been. You have been. I yeah. think you've worked very hard on that, though. Um, I can almost always be mad all the time. I feel you on a very profound level. Because <laughs> because we're, we're there. Um, it's something that I need to work on, and something that I want to work on. So acknowledging the problem is there. It's just getting to therapy. Yeah, true. But, you know, that's something I want to work on because I don't want my kids to see it. They don't understand it now. Yeah. But they, I don't want them to see it. And so for pros, um, we talked about, we talked about how it was um, my stepmother who basically raised my teenage years and uh, 
one of those things that I really got from her was empathy. And I can, um, it's really a useful thing to have is being able to read a room, you know, and see what everyone's feeling at the moment. And I think in a lot of ways we're, we're all empathetic because I mean, that's why George calls us out on shit because he he's empathetic. Right. He understands the emotion part of it. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, we we but we also all connect with each other too. So we we all see, we all know each other's patterns by now. And ad- admitting my mistakes quicker now. Except for Joe, he's he's he snoozes. I'm schmoozing, baby. <laughs> I think being able to admit my admit that I did something wrong quickly is a uh, is very it's it's yes. liberating. Yeah, I, I completely understand. And I'm sorry I talked over you. You're good. You know what, for that, you say another pro. Another pro? <laughs> another, another pro. pro. Another. another pro. I've already said two. There's so many for Chris Hogg. Look, man, with great power comes great, great responsibility. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's the true lesson of today. <laughs> Is it, though? So as Joey said, um, if Joey wanted to say the last uh, sentence or so of this podcast, we'll... Uh, because we, we ran for a while, and I'm going to post the whole thing, because why not? Why not? I want to I wanna wrap up with a... Is it a Viking pro, pro, proverb comment? No, it's, a, it's actually a quote from a movie we just saw on Friday. Rule 47, don't be afraid to ask for help. There you go. Ooh. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah. Don't be afraid to ask for help, you know? Do I think quote I... from Zombieland, don't. And have, have the courage to admit that you're afraid. There you go. Be be open. Be vulnerable. Try to find that connection emotionally with somebody. And when somebody goes to connect with you, be compassionate. There you go. But that is Cinema 7. We hope you enjoyed this episode. We hope you not only learned more about us, but you also, um, you know, can look deep and reflect and learn more about yourself. And don't you dare keep that in. You, you open up if you are feeling a certain type of way, even listen to us talk about certain things. Uh, definitely try to find someone, you know, friends, whatever, and or seek out therapy because therapy has helped all of us at one point or another. Yeah. Um, no. <laughs> For George, no. Look, but I, I haven't done therapy like, oh. ever. Let's say you, ha- even though you haven't, just know that it is a healthy place for you to talk about. Well, I'm if not. You need to. Let's let's wrap this up. We can talk about that at another time. Understandable. But uh, Chris Hawk, if you wanted to take it away, if if you have, you want to say the same old send off? Um, no, I'm, or you're going to have something d- new? Yeah, no, I don't. Oh, oh, I can make it up though. There, okay. Yeah, that's yeah. a pro. Let's do it. That's a pro. So as always, from us at Cinema Seven, you've seen how we want to change, how we want to get better, and how we want to talk about how to get better. And to do that, we have to hold each other accountable. We have to be vulnerable and we have to overcome our insecurities and our weaknesses. And to do that, we're just going to take it one step at a time. We thank you for joining us now on this new expedition that Cinema 7 is, uh, is taking. This new enterprise, this new Millennium Falcon. <laughs> what? This new... <laughs> Enterprise. Oh, oh, I guess. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah Star this, Trek, this yeah. new DeLorean. Oh, wow. You made a De- yeah. you made a time machine out of DeLorean. What's the Firefly ship called? The Firefly. Uh, oh, it's called. It's uh, Serenity. Serenity. Yeah, the uh, wrap it up. The Is wrap it up. So, you can see now that we're focusing on different things, and wow, movies 
is still a cornerstone of our podcast. Relationships is just now as important. Exactly. We're making it another cornerstone. Show some compassion. Yeah, and as always, <laughs> we want to thank you always for listening with us. We want to thank you always for watching with us. And now, sincerely, truthfully, thank you for exploring us with us. For us, by us. By us. Boo-foo. Boo-foo? Yeah, by us. Fuck you. That, that's, <laughs> that's offensive. <laughs> Bye, guys.